This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we wrap up the athletics year with Bates Director of Athletics, Jason Fine. Plus a look back at the Intercollegiate Rowing Association National Championships, the big end-of-season regatta for men's rowing, with head coach Peter Steenstra. That's coming up on the season finale of the Bates Bobcast. Last weekend, the Bates men's rowing team traveled to West Windsor, New Jersey for the IRA National Championships held on Mercer Lake. The first varsity competed in the inaugural Division III race at IRAs, designed to determine a small college national champion. Bates placed fourth in the race, ahead of Hamilton, WPI, and Washington College. Meanwhile, the second varsity eight competed against much larger schools, outracing Pac-12 opponent Oregon State in the semifinal and MIT in the fourth-level final. Head coach Peter Steenstra looks back on the final event of the school year for Bates Athletics. IRA went well. Um, The exciting part about that was it was the first time for the D3 um, event or category at that regatta. So that was really cool. Uh, I know the guys were a little bit disappointed by that result that they, that they ended up with there, but they really did perform well all in all. Um, you know, we came back from injuries and we had a lot of people out at one point due to, uh, illnesses. So, you know, considering how interrupted this year was and how disjointed the entire spring season was, I was actually Quite pleased with the performance of the guys. They did well. Um, they worked real hard. The JV8 was a very good, uh, very good performance by that cr- that crew. Um, I know it never looks too impressive when you're next to last in a regatta, but um, but they they got ahead of MIT, which is a lot of fun for them, and they beat uh, Oregon State in one of the heats, so that was pretty good too. Yeah, I was going to say, anytime you can beat a Pac-12 school in a in a race, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned all, all the lineup changes. I know you, you had some folks returning to the boat finally to the 1V, and so things got shifted around a little bit. I mean, what's that like? I mean, were they back at full strength, you thought, or they're still, if they had like a month more, I mean, it sounds like they might be able to, you know, get a little bit faster, I suppose, right? Well, I mean, any crew would get a little bit faster yeah. if you had another month, but there's no question that um, – coming off of the injuries that we had, we had some guys that were sort of long-term injuries. So even with getting back into racing form, um, they wouldn't, the guys wouldn't be at their absolute top form. Right. Um, So again, it's not that they underperformed. I I think that they actually did quite well when you consider um, the ailments that they were dealing with, that they had worked through. You know, we had a couple of guys in the boat that, the last time they had rode was, was like in San Diego. Mm. You know? So they had a long stretch that they were off and they were of course doing what they could every single day. They were still training, but in a very limited fashion. And they really had to take, uh, put a lot of focus on, on getting themselves back into what would be competitive shape. And so I don't, I don't care who you are. You really can't come back. Um, after more than a month off and be, you know, really at your very top form, but they're still, they're still good enough to be in the boat. They're still good enough to compete at that point. And, and, you know, I really think they did a good job. It was kind of a banner weekend for the NESCAC in terms of men's rowing. I mean, they kind of dominated that D3 race. It looked like, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty clear. Um, but the the NESCAC are the ones that were pushing for the event to begin with, mm-hmm. you know? And so as, as we look at some of the schools that were, um, that are also D3, but not in the event, um, they had put in entries for the open event for the big division one kind of event. Um, so they're, once they had made their decision, which was back in, I don't even remember how long ago, but once they chose which event they wanted to be into, you weren't allowed to change it. So whether or not they change it in the coming years, we'll see. Um, but I know that more schools are going to be that much more interested in competing for those slots. And uh, I think it'll become more competitive, even more so than it is now. Great. And then looking back a couple of weeks to the NCAA for the women, um, you know, now that you have a few, you know, a little bit of time to look back on it, kind of what are some major takeaways you had from, from that regatta? Well, as is usually the case, they rode up, they competed up above where they were supposed to be. They were, they went into that ranked third. Right. Um, and the, the 2B was, had a good top seed ranking. So as long as everything worked out right, we would be um, competing for second place or perhaps third place overall. Um, so they did really well. They, you know, that, that uh, fight in the 2B for that, that first place spot was a serious battle. That was a real fight. So uh, between them and Wellesley, it was great. And uh, there's no question that obviously that was the difference, was having that 2V win that spot. Um, and the 1V, of course, came off the line for that final, a little bit sluggish and a little bit off off their game. Um, the first 500 meters of that piece was pretty slow. But then you look at the, the, the other 1,500, so three-quarters of the race, and they were, they were the second fastest boat throughout. Um, only WPI was faster than them through the middle of the course. Um, so aside from that slow beginning to that race, they really reeled them all back in. At one point, I think they were last, although it seems like perhaps they, they were maybe in the fifth place spot, but they did get themselves back and, um, and really put in a good show for that. It seems like for both the women and the men, it's, it's cool to go to these events because um, division one teams are there. I know, you know, mm-hmm. Lucy Del Cole on the women's side mentioned that they were so excited to see Texas there at the regatta because they love, apparently they love Texas. And then I know for the men's team, obviously they're, they're seeing a bunch of schools that uh, they don't normally get to see too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's great to just see what those high end, the very top of their sport at the collegiate level, what they look like, you know, um, now it's, I, I have a great photo of, the guys on the dock with the Cal Tuvi and uh, our guys just look small. They look like lightweights. If that, you know, they're so skinny in comparison and our boat is actually a pretty good sized division three crew, but to know what a division one athlete looks like is important. Right. I mean, there's no one on our football or basketball teams or any of the other uh, programs here at at Bates that are going to go to the, national championship of their sport and then say to themselves, Oh, I should definitely be on that court or on that field. I'm good enough for that. Right. They're, they're going to look at that and say, wow, that is a whole different category of athlete. And that's what we see with ours, but there's a benefit to seeing that it's important to say, wow, that person is also 19 or 20 or 21 years old. And maybe they've been in the sport longer. Maybe they've had that they got, coaching earlier or they had access to stuff earlier um, or maybe they just really focused on doing this and they really put in the work outside of the boat 
whether it's the weight room or otherwise. Um, so it's more than just being that natural athlete. Um, they, they can see just by seeing them walk around that they clearly put in a whole nother level of work that we just don't even really touch here. Right. It's important to see that. And then the seasons as a whole, I mean, was it mostly back to normal? You felt obviously there were some, you know, COVID incidents throughout the year, but how did you see the season kind of go as a whole, especially compared to like last year where you, you did get um, some work in there at the end and actually got to go to NCAAs for the women and IRAs for the men, but it obviously was a little bit different, right? Yeah, it was a little different. Now things were quite a bit easier, far more normal than they had been uh, in 21. Uh, as you recall, 21, it was just, we were, had a very limited race schedule. We had to go to a very limited uh, locations that we could go to. We, we only raced in one place other than NCAAs. Um, and then all the restrictions of who could be on the bus and how many could travel and everything that it took to even get on the bus or for the bus to even leave. Um, so yeah, it was very different in that, that case. Um, and as far as dealing with last second lineup changes because of uh, someone either testing positive or or whatever the, the things were that we were dealing with, that's, that's always been part of our system anyway, you know, the, that flexibility that we have and we're ready to roll with it, whatever it may be, because we've had a number of occasions where we go to a regatta and then if the regatta is not canceled, there's a lot of postponements or half the races are canceled, but not the priority ones. And uh, that's been something that we've been good at all along. Great. And then, you know, going over the, obviously going head, heading into the fall, um, what are some things you're, you know, hoping that the, the athletes work on over the off season to kind of get ready for your fall season coming up with obviously the, the head, the Charles being the highlight. I hope they go home and, and just be playful and exercise and <laughs> go outside and have fun. And yeah. I want them to do whatever they can do. I just, as long as they're doing something every day, uh, I'm certainly not telling my team like, go home and join a club and buy an erg and i'm not telling them that stuff if they have it because they have it then great and if they're doing some rowing in the summer that's awesome um but i also want them climbing mountains and i want them playing tennis and i want them shooting hoops or going swimming or you know whatever it may be just just be an outdoors person just be someone that wants to be active all the time it has just as much to do with um taking care of yourself right um are you getting sleep are you eating properly are you fueling your body the right way. Um, and that's what I, I hope they do, you know? Um, and then when we get back in the fall, just ready to get back at it. Right. It's, it begins everything for 23 begins now. And so if you are putting the right habits into place, even when you're home with family or with your friends that are not athletes, if you're committing to something for two hours every day, even, even if it's just going for a jog, around your neighborhood, then that's, that's great. And that's really all I would hope for. But again, to bring it back to NCAAs, they, they see what those athletes look like and they know that those people are not just going for a slow, a, a slow jog around the neighborhood for, for 30 or 45 minutes once a day. You know, that's not what they're doing. They're doing a lot more. And so finding that desire to want to train at another level when you're on your own is different from wanting to just exercise or be active. So my hope is that they can start to find where they lie in between, right? 
it, you have to be more than an active person, but you don't need to be training for the Olympics right now. Right. Yeah. Excellent. What are your thoughts you wanted to share about the season for the men's or women's rowing team? We haven't gotten to talk about yet. Um, I mean, I would say one thing that the, the seniors really impressed me this year. Obviously, we graduated a huge class on the men's side, a real small class on the women's side. But um, even though it was small, it wasn't any less uh, of an influence on the group. You know, we only, you know, losing only Kinder and Marota out of the 1V and um, losing uh, Ricky Bobby there, Kate Richards. Um, you know, losing her as a, as a captain, um, you know, these people are just very influential within the team and having 60 plus people, you know, it's important um, that they get recognized for all that they did because they really put in quite a bit. And on the men's side, you know, we're, we're losing nearly both full eights, right? I mean, I, I, <laughs> uh, to lose that many guys who are that tightly knit it's going to it really puts a lot of pressure on the incoming captains, uh, uh, Ben McDonald and uh, Timmy Bates. You know, they've got their work cut out for them because it's not that they need to reinvent the wheel, but they do need to reestablish contact and they need to communicate with their teammates and make sure that there is some purpose in what they're doing over the summer um, so that we can come back and we're, we're, we're back at it in the fall with guys active and ready to go, as opposed to almost trying to convince themselves to, to join the team again. Right. It's, it's a different mentality perhaps on the men's side, just because that, that class was so big. All right, coach. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Bobcast. I recap the IRAs and the rowing seasons as a whole. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks a lot, Aaron. With the 2021-22 sports year in the rear view and next year fast approaching, we caught up with Director of Athletics Jason Fine to put a bow on the year and look forward to what's to come. It's hard to remember the beginning of the year, actually, but I think it, it went pretty well. The fact that we were able to keep uh, students on the field playing and um, get through, although we did have some, you know, COVID, uh, you know, continuing to play a, a role. Um, it was it was great to see people, you know, back out at our contests, cheering on the students. Great to see the coaches and students back um, doing what they love. And um, yeah, overall, I, I think it was great. And the fact that, you know, we're able to wrap it up with the with the Bobcast here on a kind of best of the year is is great. And thank you to you for everything that, that you have done for everybody to uh, to keep us going. It was uh, it was a good year to get back in action. I mean, some highlights. I mean, for me, obviously, the women's basketball, I think, run to the NCAA tournament was something that stands out. Um, obviously, I, I know you probably agree with that, but what are some other highlights uh, that kind of stand out to you about this past school, uh, school year here? Yeah, well, I mean, that was certainly one, and we'll maybe we'll, we'll end on that. But, you know, I think in the fall, um, getting through those seasons, um, you know, so we obviously had some new coaches here this year, this uh uh, fall as well so you know getting them uh, to complete their first seasons and then you know finishing up with strong with cross country I think was was great moving into the winter um, and then yeah I mean you kind of expect you know uh, you know rowing to to be there at the end in in the spring which of course they were and you know the last kind of team competing which is great um, and you know super excited the fact that they they came in second in the nation on the women's side and and the men competed strong in the in, on the uh, IRAs this past weekend. But, you know, I think right there in the middle, the women's basketball program and that run uh, kind of invigorated folks, you know, on campus and alums and, and, and getting through the NESCAC um, 
tournament in a, in a tough, tough league um, and winning it, you know, for being the only the fourth team, I think, in history that has, has won an SCAC tournament. And uh, other than um, Tufts winning it a few times, it's been basically an Amherst and Bowdoin uh, affair. So it was great to, to beat some teams that, you know, um, usually come in thinking they're going to gonna handle the Bobcats and then going to the NCAAs was just so special for the team. And that there's a hundred different things I can, can point to even besides the, the incredible, you know, uh, tie making shot that Mia had at the end of, of regulation of that first, uh, of that first NCAA game. Um, but it was just, it felt like, you know, uh, the college was kind of on their backs a little bit and they, they, they lifted us all up. So that was, that was really special to, to have that happen. So the NESCAC ADs are meeting this week. Uh, we're catching you at the end of, I think, day one of the meetings, right? So you yes. an idea of what you are discussing. Give us some insight into that, I guess. Well, you know, this is the first time we've actually met in person since the fall of 2019 um, because our, our spring 2020 meeting obviously was canceled. Um, so it's been really great to be uh, back in person, and it's a, it's a three-day affair here. But, um, you know, a lot of the topics on the national scene, such as NIL and transgender inclusion policies, um, and then you know down to things that in the NESCAC we do a little bit differently than the rest of the of the country. Um, you know, meals and snacks legislation, and um, what we can be providing for our student athletes, what we can be doing on social media, um, and then of course you know the non traditional seasons um, that that we had this past year that um, are not slated to continue for next year, and and what the future might be. Um, with that and proposals to the presidents, you know, we're, we're lucky in the sense that our presidents are really involved in the, in the um, direction of the conference, but that requires a lot more planning on our part and a lot more intentionality, I would say, with the proposals that we bring forward and the reasoning and the data that we use. So um, one of the other big things that we're talking about is, is how we continue the work of um, diversity, equity, equity and inclusion uh, across all our campuses this year, how we do it as a conference, um, and, and what are some best practices we spent time today, which I thought was great in small groups, um, you know, talking about what's worked well at, at some campuses with students, with coaches. Um, there's a lot more involved, as we know, in, in the, um, the, the job that is educating our student athletes, you know, in their chosen sport is just one piece of it, right? And it's the mentoring and it's the DE&I work and it's the team culture. And it's, um, you know, community service and all of that stuff. So sharing best practices with the group of colleagues back in the same space again has been terrific. Well, and you mentioned diversity, equity, inclusion. I know we have a new assistant AD for student athlete services, Chelsea Scott, who actually we talked on Monday. She started today at Bates. Uh, you know, I know a lot of her role will be kind of in that space a little bit, um, working with student athletes. Tell me a little bit about what you're most excited about seeing her starting at Bates. Yeah, you know, we're, we're really excited and we've got to be careful not to overwhelm her too quickly because right. I think there's a lot in the area of student athlete support um, that we can concentrate on. Um, coming out of getting her doctorate at University of Kansas, um, I think is, is really helpful to us from the educational leadership standpoint. Um, you know, but I think tying in all of our different constituents on campus with the athletics um, department is really important, especially at a place like Bates where you know, we are a small school, but even at a small school, you can be siloed, right? So whether it's student support, um, counseling services, nutrition, strength conditioning, all, you know, and then of course, uh, you know, academics, discipline, conduct, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so Chelsea's going to be um, spending the first, you know, month or so or two um, meeting po folks on campus, and we're going to put together a plan of what's the best way to run student athlete support services, because 
um, you know, student athletes, just like all of us have, have changed in the last couple of years and how we communicate, how we think, um, what stresses us out. And, and you know, it, it's important that we get their feedback um, about what programming we think, you know, might work best. So that'll be part of, of what she does as well. Terrific. And what are some goals you have for Bates Athletic, kind of big picture, moving through the summer in the next season that you want to kind of see uh, going forward as as the AD here? Uh, well, you're going to be entering, oh gosh, your fifth or sixth year coming up, I think, right? Yeah, this this is the end of the fifth year, which okay. is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two of those years have been really uh, an interesting uh footnote i guess that hopefully will be a footnote uh for some time to come when it comes to covid um but i hope that will be you know we this year was more normal but it wasn't normal right so i'm hoping it'll be what we could call a normal year and we can you know we uh competitively um covid played a role in how we were able to finish some of our our sports and um where you know that ultimately put us at the end of the season i think that the, it, you know there's some frustration there on the part of the student athletes and the coaches as well so i'd love to be able to see how we can support them in in a, in a normal year um and and continue the push you know we have um some new coaches coming in this this uh, summer we'll be doing some searches as well so every year it's you know getting new folks on board and some of our folks who have been here now three or four years are kind of veterans of the department and and um, their teams are, um, you know, starting to, to get to probably the place where hopefully they, they thought they would be. So I think that, you know, really for us this coming year, 20, 2022, 2023, is about, you know, hoping for normalcy and then seeing where we are from uh, a student satisfaction standpoint, um, a, a competitive success standpoint, um, and then kind of making a plan for the next two years. The other thing that I think you know, continues to be really important to me and I think to our administration as well is, you know, our, our um, aging facilities and, and being able to do some campaign work around uh, continuing to fundraise and, and improve some of those facilities. We have a new brand new outdoor track going down this summer, which is terrific uh, for our track program and also the community. Um, next summer, we'll replace uh, Garcelon's turf, which will be terrific. Um, we've done a lot of work around, you know, locker rooms and some auxiliary things around the facilities. Um, we've had great response from Davis Fitness Center being redone, but we have to, we have to keep going. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an arms race, especially in division three, um, and to continue to recruit and retain the best, whether it be student athletes, staff, coaches, um, we have to keep up. So, um, so that'll be uh, you know, front of mind as well uh, from a development standpoint between uh, the athletics and the advancement offices. Great. Well, before we let you go here, I know you got a dinner with the, the other ADs, but um, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the past school year um, in terms of athletics we haven't got to talk about yet? You know, uh, just one, I think, is that, um, you know, it was great to see everybody in person for our end of year uh, banquet celebration. Um, it was a great way to kind of relive the good parts of the year. And I, I made a little speech at the beginning at the outset of that about, um, you know, folks having patience and, and kindness and empathy. Um, and I think that's going to be kind of, you know, our themes going forward is that uh, we're going to do our best to, to put ourselves in, um, you know, someone else's shoes, so to speak. We have a large department, you know, almost 800 student athletes, 31 teams. I'd love to see us uh, really support each other in the coming year, um, be out there, uh, you know, cheering each other on um, and just think about, you know, what kind of positivity we can bring um, to each day and how can we find a win in each day, whether it's a victory on the field or in the pool or 
you know, some other type of way of making someone's day. I just think that um, that's something that's going to be really important. I think that's going to translate to us having a great experience. So it, it's been terrific. Having everybody back under that tent was so awesome. Seeing everybody at commencement was amazing. Those seniors have, have been through a ton. And, um, and you know, the last time we were able to, to gather on the quad like that was first year, you know, for them. So, and, and I had just been here a year. So um, really exciting about what, excited about what the future holds for us. And, uh, you know, we're going to do some new things uh, coming up around um, social media and connection with the department. I'd love people to reach out if any student athletes or alums are, are listening to this. And I know a ton do. Um, please feel free to reach out. We're going to do some open hours with the AD and the administration here. Um, but uh, we'd love to, to hear from you and see how we can continue to raise the bar for the Bobcats. All right, Jason Fine, thank you so much, as usual, for joining us here on the Bobcast. The final one of the school year will be back in September. Thanks again. Thanks for everything you do, Aaron. Hope everybody has a good summer. Make sure you stick with GoBatesBobcats.com and the Bates Bobcats mobile app throughout the summer for the latest news on Bates Athletics. And the Bobcast will return this fall when sports start up again. Thanks for tuning in all year to the Bates Bobcast.